Welcome to Brews Rock. We're Chuck Mountain, a band nestled in the beautiful beer country of North Carolina. Each week, we pick brewers' minds about their brewing philosophy and pick up tricks to bring new life to your home brew. We played at countless breweries and decided it was about time to learn how to craft our own. And welcome back to another episode of Brews Rock, where we celebrate everything there is to love about beer. Today, we're joined by the one and only Joel McCloskey, CEO and co-founder of Four Saints Brewing Company in Asheboro, North Carolina. He's here to share the inside scoop on what it takes to run a successful brewery and, of course, to talk about some delicious beer. We learned about the patron saints of brewing today, but did you know that one of those guys is also the patron saint of strep throat? Yeah, we get into all the nitty-gritty details. We also talk about the Four Saints Mug Program and how the Seagrove Pottery community helped turn a dream of the brewery into a reality. And, of course, we can't forget about community. Joel shares how the pandemic helped Asheboro blossom into a community that strives on supporting small businesses and their local community. Plus, we explore the age-old question, what's the perfect pairing for beer? And while we never did learn what the correct time and place for a Wardoff salad is, we do talk about how the perfect pairing is always beef. Finally, we hear about Four Saints fundraising efforts to help aid the conservation of the North American Red Wolf and how they got Nat Geo to give them their stamp of approval. But most importantly, Joel gives us a standing ovation worthy speech about finding your American dream. So sit back, relax, grab a cold one, because this is Bruise Rock. <laughs> we usually try to start each episode saying, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners just in case they're not familiar with you and your brewery? Sure. Yeah. My name is Joel McCloskey. I am the one of the co-owners and CEO of Four Stage Brewing Company. And we're a seven barrel brewery located in downtown Asheboro. We have a taproom on site. We do distribution out through the Triad and Triangle. Right now, distributing to about 200 different places between the two territories. From a portfolio standpoint, we do everything from an American light ale up to a bourbon imperial stout and everything in between. We follow trends and have some fun with that, but we don't go for the fads. So we look to create beers that People can come back to time and time again because they can count on the quality of it and because they enjoy the aesthetics of the beer and it's something that they can count on. Are you one of the founding owners as yes. well? Okay. Yeah, I am. I am one of the two from day one. And technically, there were four. Yeah, that that the name doesn't come from that part. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I it, it plays into it, but it it plays into it from just coincidence. But I got to meet Andrew. Back it was 2000, it was 2008. He and his wife, Amy, moved to Ashburn from upstate New York, which it wasn't until I met them that I realized that I learned that there's New York City and then everything else is upstate New York. Oh, yeah. yeah. So 
they moved down to Randolph County in 2008. My wife and I had just got married. We were all teaching at the same school, not Andrew, me and Kristen, my wife, and then Amy were all teaching at a school here in Ashboro. My wife was teaching second grade. Amy was teaching third grade. I was teaching fourth grade. Amy and Andrew have two daughters and their oldest was in my wife's second grade class. So we got to know her daughter really well because we, Kristen was with her every single day and Amy was a teacher. So we got to, you know, five days a week, second daughter, we got to know really well because she was always hanging around. And one day Amy came into my classroom. It was after school. She came in and she goes, uh, you and Kristen seem like decent people. Like it's a really weird <laughs> way, way to start a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very like, Northern I, way to start a conversation <laughs> too. It's like, it is and like, that's okay. Thanks. And her second statement was, and I have a husband and I'm like, right. I have, I have a wife. <laughs> <laughs> when he moved down, he transferred from Lowe's hardware and he was working in a store up in Greensboro. And so that's what he did. He just went to work and came home. So she said, you know, I, you know, he, he does this and you seem like decent people. Will you be my husband's friend? And I was like, you and the girls seem like decent people. <laughs> Your husband has to be okay. And so we started hanging out and just watching football together and the cookouts and that kind of stuff. And then one day he was like, I, you know, by the way, I brew beer, something you really should have started with. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's like, hey, man. You got a stash of. <laughs> and at that point, like, I wasn't, I wasn't a craft beer drinker at that point. You know, we were talking 2008, 2009. I'm just experimenting and like trying different things out. Yeah. Cause it generally was that. I was like, oh, there's these styles that I've never heard of. And um, at that point, it was all malt extract. You know, you go get these big old cans of malt mm -hmm. extract and it was on the kitchen stove. <laughs> and so we would, we would did this and then we'd make beer from it. And we had two friends, Jonathan and Pete, who joined in and we went from doing the malt extract on the stove and we moved to a five gallon all grain system. We, uh, we all pitched in and then that turned into a 10 gallon all grain system that Andrew had cobbled together and genuinely manufactured to make happen. And it became once a month that my wife would call our man day. She'd drive me over to Andrew's garage. It was like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. And the other guys would be there and we'd, we'd eat some lunch, whatever it was, usually just some deli sandwiches or whatever. And then we would brew. And by we would brew, Andrew would brew. And the rest of us would just stand there and ask a bunch of questions. questions yeah. Like, what are you doing? What's that? What's that? Why are you doing this? Sounds God, like I touched that. Is it okay that I touched that? Like, yeah. like, I'm not sure. Can I, what do I need to do? Just is that going to be hot or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, we would, and we would drink beer while we were doing it. And then at the end of the brew session, we did all the cleaning and the Andrew would stand around and go, this, do this, do this. You're doing <laughs> that wrong. Scrub harder. And so and he would drink and he would drink. <laughs> he refused to drink anytime he was brewing beer because it was, there's so much precision. And there's so much specificity and there's so much detail to do it right and to do it consistently. So just the idea of having a beer shifts things just ever so slightly. Makes you a little yeah. bit more laid back. And he didn't want that, which is beneficial to where we are today. At the end of it, we would all get the grill going, throw on some steaks or burgers or whatever, grill some meat up, 
and then sit in the garage and drink what we had brewed a month before. So would you pair the food with whatever? No, it was always beef. It was just always <laughs> steak yeah. or burgers. I mean, or meat goes with everything. everything. Right. It was just that was that's what, you know perfect. Pair. I don't think you can really have a man day and like let's have a Waldorf salad. Yeah, let's, do some, let's do some like, tofu. There are times and places for Waldorf salads, but not yeah. not in not a garage a setting. Day. And that's where those conversations started to happen because it was it was 2008 that Ashboro had gone wet. Mm-hmm. Because of the of the referendum that had happened, and so Ashboro mm-hmm. was just recently wed from a fifty year long local prohibition. At this time, at two thousand ten two thousand eleven, was really the beginning of the next craft beer boom. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing large breweries becoming larger. We're seeing other breweries starting to open up. We're starting to see this influx of craft beers. You know, hop chop and rolls coming out. We're seeing. The uh, Kentucky bourbon styles, we're seeing Hop Slam, we're seeing all, all those iconic brands at this point starting to come out and people going, whoa, beer can be more than. And so all of this is happening. We're doing the home brewing part of it. Things are taking off in North Carolina. And we start having those conversations in the garage of like, no, we could do this. And so we uh, talked about opening a bottle shop, this, that, and the other. And one of our friends, his name's Pete. He was involved in everything and having coming on the man days. He's one of those friends that when you start to get into something, like he gets into it. Yeah. He goes, well, tell me where the rabbit holes are because I'm going to jump down every single one of them. Hey, it's not <laughs> just me, it's you. <laughs> and so he did that. And one day he came to us. He's like, hey guys, I found out that there are these patron saints of beer and brewing and here's who they are and here's these names. And hey, Pete, that's really cool. Can you go clean that carboy, please? <laughs> that's what we really need you to do right now. And as we kept having that conversation of doing something because Ashboro had nothing, yeah. it was, how can we do this? And so we started looking at that poor Saint aspect. There's a St. Arnold, which is a brewery down in Texas, and he's the patron saint of beer. And we're like, well, it can't be St. Arnold because that's a pretty significant brewery. But there were these other four patron saints of beer and brewing with St. Luke, St. Wenceslas, St. Augustine, and St. Nicholas. In the saint world, there are saints that are saints for 75 different things. St. Nicholas is oh, one yeah. of them. Nicholas is St. Nick. Like he is Santa Claus. Like it's where the story came from. But he is also the patron saint of strip throat, right? I think. Hey. So if anybody's listening and you're <laughs> there's Catholic. Another, hey. There's another saint of throat. Not just strep throat, but a throat. But right. yeah, there, there's a list. So it's always Exactly. Long, long. Saint Nick, he's a patron saint of a hundred different things. Mm-hmm. But he's a patron saint of beer. Uh, saint Wenceslas is a patron saint of beer. Saint Augustine, the patron saint of brewers. And then Saint, what am I forgetting now? Augustine, Wenceslas, Luke, and... You already said Nick. Nick, yeah. The brewers. It's like, name all 50 states. I know them yeah. all, but I'm going to, yeah. you know. <laughs> They're there. Yeah. So we were like four saints. You know, it had a nice ring to it. Yeah. And the only thing we could find that was named four saints was an old play called Four Saints and Three Acts that was actually just revived on Broadway. And then there was a quartet from Detroit called the Four Saints. They put out three or four records. But other than that, there was nothing. And at this point, Being in this particular industry, even at 2010, 2011, going, there's nothing that has this name. That's pretty rare. Grab it. Right? That's exactly what our thought. We've got to make this. You take the website, you take the Instagram. Trademark it. It it is done. And so we did. And after we chose this as our name, 
some of these things that just came into realization, like, oh, there's four guys. Yeah. And so Pete and Jonathan decided that being a part of a brewery was not what they wanted to do for the rest of their lives. They stepped away, still two of our best friends, but now that our wives, you know, they were always owners because we were doing it. And so they just kind of, they came in recognition that in beer, there are four main ingredients. When we found this space, there happens to be four pillars in the middle of the tap room that just happened to be there. And so there's all these instances of four that just keep showing up. And it was like, we'll just take the universes. Yeah. I was going to say the universe. Like, it is. So that's the long story of how four saints, the name came to be. Well, we so, like the long story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's the story awesome. we want to hear. Well, I have a question. Yeah. So I've been here before I played and I saw your mugs. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us about your mug program? When we were getting this going, uh, Andrew and I, we put in some personal capital and doing our best to demonstrate what we wanted to do. Because we're talking about, again, we're talking about Asheville, Randolph County. We're talking about a place that was dry for 50 plus years and we're trying to open up a alcohol manufacturing facility. Yeah. That's what a brewery <laughs> is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like we were dry for 50 plus years and now all of a sudden now they want to make it here yeah. legally. So we wanted to demonstrate what we were looking to do. And so a lot of their capital went into home brewing that we would then go and serve at events around the region, around the town. And we gave away a lot of beer. We would go to 501c events, like charity, charitable events. Mm -hmm. And we would serve beer at those events, not only because that's, it was a way for us to serve our community, but also to say, here's what we want to do. Like, here's this beer. And people would try to be like, it's really good. Like, great. We're trying to open up a brewery. And we got to a point where we needed some money to do more. And we decided to do a Kickstarter. So 2012, everybody was trying to do a Kickstarter. Yeah, I saw your, yeah. On your board. Yeah, out. we have a board out there of all of our contributors and backers. We genuinely hit kickstarter at the right time there were a lot of breweries that were attempting and or successful at getting some funding to get moving and get going and so we put a kickstarter together our goal was forty five thousand dollars in 45 days we did 53 621 with kickstarter for people who aren't familiar it's like a pbs fundraiser so if you give 10 bucks you get x this. if you give yeah. 100 bucks, you get Y. For us, when we were doing this, we did a, I did some heavy research into what had been successful on Kickstarter. Like, here's a brewery, it was successful. What did their rewards look like? Here's a brewery that was unsuccessful. Here's what their rewards look like. And so, one of the things that we saw that was consistent across all of them, who was successful or not, was an offering of a mug club. And so, we thought, okay, well, yeah, having a mug club, that makes a lot of sense. And they're like, we could just go get glass mugs and get pewter plates on them and engrave your name on them. But somebody's already doing that. And we could go get just random plastic mugs and have your face printed on them. But somebody's already doing that. We want to do a unique mug offering for the mug club. And somebody randomly mentioned to us, you know, Seagrove's only like seven miles away. Yeah. And it was just like this huge light bulb moment, like, there it is. Of course. Yeah. And like, then yeah, genuine and unique. Right. What's more unique than someone who's handcrafted. Right. Exactly. And so we're like, that's a fantastic idea. First guy we went to, we sat down, took a growler of homebrew. 
we poured a couple of beers and we were telling him what we were looking to do and why we were looking to do it and our vision. And he said, I like this. I will make you all some mugs for your mug club. And he said, how many do you need? And he said, we need a hundred. And he went, that's not going to happen. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I am not making you 100 mugs. I will make you 10. We were both like, okay. And thank you. And he went, you need to go talk to this guy and gave us a name and a phone number. He said, this is, I'm sure he, I'm sure he'll be interested. Go talk to him. So we went and talked to him and, and that was kind of the story. You know, the next part we're like, we need 90 and I'm not doing 90 mugs. I'll do six, but go talk to her and go talk to him and go talk hey. to them. By the end of all of the, this campaign, so to speak, we had about 163 mugs all by different potters. And so we got this wide variety. And through Kickstarter, at a $200 level, you were in the mug club and we got to choose your mug. Flat, simple, like you're in, awesome, you're getting the mug, we're going to choose it for you. For 250 you got to choose, choose your, mug. your mug. The The main rule for the mug is, all of our mugs, are there's two people that can touch your mug. You and the bartender. And the bartenders. bartenders. Yeah. That is it. We have people that come in all the time. They're like, can I see that one? We're like, you can, I'll hold it for you. You are not allowed to hold this. There's some people like, well, why can't I? I'm like, because if you sneeze and drop this, yeah, it's that's an issue. So every anniversary, we bring in at least 10 more mugs. And we work to involve potters that we haven't worked with before. And so every anniversary, we do a live mug auction. And people come in and they bid. The proceeds from those auctions go to the Randolph County Family Crisis Center, the Randolph County Honor Guard and our daily bread soup kitchen. So the proceeds from these events go to feed people who are having difficulty feeding themselves because the recognition that being able to drink beer out of mug is a, it's an opportunity. It's nobody needs to do this, <laughs> but there are people that need to eat. And so we want to be able to provide some help for people who are having some difficulty there. The Randolph County Honor Guard is a group of veterans who on their own with no support from the state or any other government agency go and give last rights to North Carolina veterans that have passed. And they do that in nine county area. These are guys that are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and they'll do four or five funerals a day to give last rights to their brothers and sisters in arms. And then the Family Crisis Center is a place that takes care of kids and families that are trying to escape some really bad shit. So when I talk about trying to support our community, like, Beer is not necessary. We don't need this. It's fun to be able to have. We recognize where there's some times where it can cause some of the problems that are in the ills of our society. And there are people in our community that are doing genuinely great things to help people's lives. And so we do our best to support them and many others as best we can. And so the mugs are just an opportunity to do that. We've been talking a lot about community lately. Yeah. We've been talking about how great this beer community is and how everyone is support, not just like we were just talking about cross pollinating is what we called yep. it, but like Perfect. the cross support that I've just heard is like really giving me a lot of it's energy to just be in faith of that everyone wants to see everyone else succeed. Right. We want to do our best to help the people that are at the bottom when we're at the top. And I feel like your story is just hit that on the head. Downtown Ashburn, I mean, if you look at where it is now and you go 2004, it was a dead zone. And here we are in 2023 and yet almost 20 years, 19 years past. Change takes time. 
but where it is now and the prosperity that is happening and the recognition that the small businesses do matter because the small businesses now are the ones that are supporting places like the soup kitchen and the other 501Cs that are doing great things because to make a community great, to make a community strong, to make a community viable and sustainable, it's about every individual and what they're contributing to it. And if it's somebody who has a business that's running, awesome, because they're contributing something. And if they're doing, if that business is then contributing to the 501Cs that are trying to help, fantastic. If you don't own a business and you got a job that's paying you $150,000 a year, if you're coming here and you're eating dinner, you're spending if you're, your money, if you're here, spending your yeah. money here, like it's all so cyclical and there is a deep recognition of that now. And that's why I think what is happening in Ashboro is happening. That's why I think what's happening in this region is happening because there's this recognition that there's this space that was decimated and built itself back up. Then COVID happened and it shut things down and people couldn't do it only further emboldened people to go, we have to count shop on yeah. these, this yeah. shop small yeah. mentality because otherwise our communities are gone. Our opportunities are gone because these big guys are going to take care of themselves and they're going to reap yeah. tens of billion dollars of profit that we will never see. Yep. Or we support a small business and we help them be successful. So that money goes out to the people that are living in this community. And I've got the extra money to put my daughter into dance lessons yeah. in a local dance studio that is supporting some other small local business. Like it all really matters. And it's been really fun to watch. And, you know, I see our tap room on different nights and I'm seeing people from all walks of life and I'm seeing people from all demographics and I'm seeing people from varying viewpoints and they're all coming in here and they're having a beer together and they're hanging out and they're talking. It gives me hope yeah. this recognition that we can all sit down and have different opinions, but at the end of the day, we can all sit around a table and go, you're just a person. I'm just a person. We have some similar frustrations Yep. and we might divide on how we think it should be solved, but we can all sit together and just hang. And just talk. And just, yeah. Yeah. And just be a community doesn't mean you have to agree. Yeah. A community means that you're willing to sit down and accept. And so to be able to provide a space to give people a chance to sit down and accept and be in the hopes that we get to understand differences rather than yell at differences. Yeah. Like I'll drink a beer with anybody about that. Like that's what it's all, I mean, that's what it's about. And, and we get to provide that. We get opportunity to provide that space. Yeah. You guys did a beer for the... North American Red Wolves. Is that something you bring back every year or what kind of inspired you to do something like that? So that was, we have a group of zoo employees that would come in like every Wednesday night, you know, sometimes it'd be five, sometimes it'd be 25 of them. And they'd sit down and it was their own community coming in and bringing their community into here. They would have beers, have food, and just, it, it was their cheers, so to speak. One of those guys, his name's Chris, is very big into Red Wolf conservation. We had done a red IPA a long time ago. And so we were looking at doing it again. And the idea was, why don't we see if we can work with the zoo and do, take our red IPA, that's called Red Wolf IPA. And a percentage of the sales of that beer will be donated to the Red Wolf conservation efforts. So we are like, okay, let's see. And so we went to the zoo. And so we worked with the Zoo Society, which is the fundraising arm for the North Carolina Zoo. And at that time, the North Carolina Zoo was getting ready to launch their Secrets of the Zoo 
National Geographic television show. Oh. So National Geographic had been on site and Dr. Minter, the head veterinarian, they followed him around the zoo for, I don't know how long and following the stories, like they need to put a buffalo down to take a tooth out or that may not be an exact storyline, but, but follow him around and getting the behind the scenes view. So it was right at that same time. And we're like, this would be perfect. Like right before, right as the show's getting ready to launch, we could launch uh, Red Wolf, Red IPA with funds going to the conservations of Red Wolves in North Carolina specifically. And we contacted National Geographic and we said, we want to put your name on the can, which Disney owns National Geographic. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> like, we want to call out the show. We want to call it National Geographic. We want to call out the Zoo Society. Like we want to put this all in our cans. And it was like, we don't know if we can because we got this and we got Disney and we got National Geographic and we got the okay of it. And That's so on our cans, it's, it's, it's got the write-up in National Geographic's Tales of the Zoo, North Carolina, North Carolina, yada, yada. Like essentially Disney is on one of our cans at this point, That's which nice. is really crazy. So anytime that the red IPA comes out, a portion of the sales from taproom and through distribution goes to the North Carolina Zoo Society to support Red Wolf conservation. Is that an annual thing or is that? It's not an annual thing. We just got our canning line in, in February. Okay. And so we are working to create that annual release thing with using a mobile canner for the past four or five years. We could not with definition say every January, just, this beer is released and yeah, every like, June, yeah, this yeah. beer is released. You're on we someone went, else's schedule on that. Well, yeah, somebody else's schedule. And we had to schedule three to four months out. Mm. So we had to do our best to predict what was going to sell. Because in the, in the end, we're a business. Like we want to put things in the can in the keg that are going to sell. But we've been doing things the same way for seven years in, in that kind of logistics realm. Having the canning line, it's only been here for two months. We're still on a learning curve of when can we can stuff? How often do we need to can stuff? What do we need to be canning? Yeah. And to create the opportunity to go, okay, we know that every May Red Wolf Red IPA is going to be in cans. That's something that we're working towards to know what our seasonal releases are going to be. But we have to determine what our long-term permanent releases are. Cool. And that's what we're working on. And once we get that laid in, and once we know what that is, then we're going to be able to have someone and say every X, this is going to be available. Something like Red Wolf, Red IPA, I could see being something we release on a regular basis to be able to say every May, this beer is coming out and these proceeds are going to the Zoo Society to support Red Wolf conservation and the zoo. And we're just going to have Disney on the label, yeah, which is say, really awesome. Disney on the label. I was going to have them on. Put it out as much as you I can. Mean, marketing standpoint, yeah. I'm like, I want that label out there as yeah. much as I possibly can. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't say Disney. It says National Geographic. But when you pull up Disney Plus, National Geographic is right yep, yeah. there. So the last question we always try to end every episode with is like being the CEO and a co-owner of the brewery. What's advice you would give to people that want to either start a brewery mm. someday mm -hmm. or people mm -hmm. that want to get into the brewing business? We're asking for a friend. No, yeah, that's... asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah. It's not for no, us. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal question. And to put that answer in today's realm. April, geez, April, 2023, right do your homework about the current state of the industry. Number one, our industry is at this point is, especially in North Carolina is changing rapidly. As an example, two days ago, 
a state bill was filed, not voted on yet. It's not law, but a state bill was filed that would allow wholesalers to offer volume discounts to their customers. If you're a small restaurant, you're like, a case is all I need until a week or two weeks from now. Like that's what I'm gonna need to get me through. And I've got to pay this amount, but you're a large event venue and you go, I want 20 cases and they're going to get it at a cheaper cost per case. Something like that changes the game, but not necessarily for the benefit of a brewery like myself, but for a distributor yeah. or a large self-distributed craft brewery mm -hmm. who's got way more wiggle, wiggle room, room for their profit on, margin. On profit margin. It changes the game drastically. So when I say that, like recognize where the industry is. And once you recognize where the industry is, understand where you want to be. Yeah. And I think that really, to me, the American dream is creating something that allows you to live the life that you want to live. And if you're the life you want to live is Lamborghinis and, and private jets, and you're going to open up a brewery, you you're in the wrong, wrong way to go. If you're looking to open up a brewery with the American dream in mind of, I want to contribute to my community and I want to have time with my family. There are going to be people who don't know who the hell you are yeah. because you're that small and that's got to be okay. Yeah. And if you're okay with going, I don't give a shit. If people in Charlotte have no idea who my brewery is, I get to go home and practice spelling words with my daughter before her spelling test the next day. Or I get to be in here and I get to serve beer to the people that, that I enjoy and love and support us. And I get that choice. It's a different kind of American dream. So it's defining what your dream is yeah. and not allowing somebody else to tell you what it is. Because if you allow them to tell you what it is, it's bigger, it's brasher, it's more money. And all of that means you have less time, you have less of yourself, and you have less of your family. So make a choice and whatever it is. The American dream is what you want and what you want to make happen and drive yourself towards that. Yeah. So that's, my drive. Drive. that's a mic drop. That's my incredible, drive, bro. That's great. Uh, oh yeah. Well, we really appreciate you chat with us. Like we, we talked to a lot of brewers, but it's really cool to hear more of a business side, but also just like the whole story is wild. This has been awesome. We really yes. appreciate your time and my pleasure. just, it was just awesome to hear. My about. pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. And I won the challenge. Just <laughs> wow, what an incredible episode. Thanks to Joel for sharing his knowledge and insights into the world of brewing. And thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to Brews Rock wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on social media and keep an ear out for a new single, Moonshine, dropping on the 28th of this month. Until next time. We're